It's Friday night, and the mood is right. Actually, I don't know if we're going to get sued by ABC. Let me stop that. Welcome back to Sports Reports. As ordered, everybody, Mike Wilson in the house, of course, with Raphael Rutley, as always. You know where to find us on Instagram and Twitter and all that. And if you don't, it will be in your episode description on your podcast, and it will be on your YouTube when you go to YouTube to watch us. Please rate us, review us, give us five stars. Spread the word to your friends. Help us get out there, get ourselves noticed a little bit, and let us, you know, announce ourselves to the world. You know, you we will leave you our email address as well. You know, that way you can send us questions. You can send us suggestions for topics you might want us to touch on. Yes. Now, that being said, Mr. Rutley, what's happening? What's going on, man? You can see him in a different location. I don't know if you can see the hat. It says 801 Utah. I mean, so... You know, sometimes you got to take the show on the road, decided to take it back to the U. Um, so I've been out here for like last few days, just kind of running and gunning, shot down to Vegas for a day, you know, just had a good time. You know what I mean? So it's been a good, it's been a good run. So. Right. Right. Well, you time. know, I'm still down here in San Antonio thinking about driving to Louisiana this weekend, but I don't know. But, you know, but while we're here tonight, we're going to talk to you. We're going to recap. The Super Bowl, you know, lots of controversy, you know, great game still. But we're going to recap that. We're going to talk about dynasties in sports. Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Are people afraid that the Chiefs are going to become the Patriots? Then we're going to talk about the draft combine and is there a need for it? You know, we're going to talk a little bit about the new breaking news. My Washington commanders are apparently going to hire Eric Bieniemy, the one and only offensive coordinator from the Kansas City Chiefs that pulled down the pants of the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles that got a job the next day, you and know, yeah, we're hiring him. So, you know, we're going to talk about that just a little bit. And then of course, you know, we're going to get it off our chest, you know what I'm saying? So Mr. Raff, first of all, the floor is yours, but I just want to say this before you get started. My man, I got to give him his flowers. He sat up here on this podcast last week and said this game between Philadelphia and Kansas City was going to come down to some kind of fumble, some kind of fluky little play. And what do we know? The ball bounced off Jalen Hurts' foot, and there was probably another fumble that got taken away, but the floor is yours. Like I said, man, it's uh, when you watch sports as much as we do, we talk about it all the time. Like I said, the game was a toss-up. Eagles favored by one and a half. That's basically Vegas saying pick somebody. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like I said, I just had a feeling like it was going to turn. I didn't because Jalen Hurts doesn't put the ball in the danger, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw it up, makes a lot of mistakes. The running backs only get about eight, ten carries a game, and then McKinnon gets a couple of catches. So it's not a lot of margin for error. So they don't make a lot of mistakes because they keep it very simple. I know it looks complicated because they run the score up and you know they call on these plays, they do a little herky jerky dances in the circles and all that, but it was very simple. I mean, Philly, we knew what it was going to be on third and one, third and two, fourth and one, fourth and two. We all knew the play call. They needed, like, I don't even know if they call it in the, in the huddle. I think people just go out there, like, okay, it was third and one. All right, we know the play. There's no more right, coach. Just save the energy. We run in this play. So it was a great game. I don't think the I don't think the call at the end marred it. I think it just was ill-timed. So it seems like it marred it. But, like, the game was great. But if you have to keep it, let's keep it factual. Philly gave up points on every possession in the second half. Two of their touchdowns were on the same play, ran on opposite sides. And then when Kansas City tried to run it again, he held them. 
So it's just Kansas City, and like I said, we're getting the band to me. They made the adjustment in the second half. I don't think Philly did anything wrong. I just think that the man-to-man defense, the man-to-man blitz packages just didn't work out in your favor. Like, you can play that. If anybody plays Madden, if you play somebody and they're playing man-to-man, you can call that little route, and it'll work 99% of the time. Every once in a while, like, the defender is just, like, the guy might lurk or whatever. But for the most part, it's just a hard route to cover, especially when you're stacked because – one guy has to get over top of the other guy to ensure that he can get his press off. And then the other guy just zips back out. If you think it's a slant and you try to get over the top, and that dude just runs back out. It's nothing you can do. That's why those guys were so wide open because the way they ran their man-to-man. I think, I don't know if it was zero, maybe cover cover one blitz packages, and maybe it just was like straight up cover zero. They sent both linebackers to the A-gap. It's like, if you don't get through, Especially with Mahomes, I think if you look at those plays, the Tony route, Mahomes barely got the ball in his hand. He probably didn't even have the laces because he was so wide open off the snap because you can't you can't you can't get through all that mess when it's that compact. So that was the adjustment that they made. Um I think the twenty nine minute halftime really helped make the adjustments because they can like really make an adjustment, talk it through, make another one, talk it through, but at a fifteen minute normal game. You might not be able to come through with that, oh, by the way, we want to do this. Oh, by the way, we want to do this. And I think Philly, they did a great job. Jalen Hurts, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a better quarterback Super Bowl performance before. Even with Tom Brady with the comeback and all the yards and Nick Foles catching the touchdown and that, I don't think think anybody can really ever say they've seen one guy. It was like a high school game. You know, and you see, like, when you see, like, an NFL player's highlights from when he was in high school, and he looked like a man amongst boys, that's how Jalen Hurts looked in the Super Bowl. He was unstoppable. Every every short conversion he got, goal line conversion he got, touchdowns he got, extra points. He was throwing deep out routes in the cover two, connecting for touchdowns. I don't know what's the catch and what's not a catch. Devontae Smith won. Maybe it was a catch. Maybe it wasn't. Who knows? But he still put that right on the money. I didn't realize until after the game, maybe, so the game Sunday, I didn't realize until, like, maybe Monday evening, like me and you were texting back and forth, that Patrick Mahomes didn't have 200 yards passing. His game looked like he had 300. Like, every throw, every drive, it looked like he was putting up a lot of numbers. When you think about it, I think they had the ball, like, 23, 24 minutes. Philly had it, like, 36. But he was almost perfect. In the second half, but he only had like 93 yards. Because there's Tony's kickoff. I mean, I mean the whole the whole game was just great. I don't I don't I don't care about the call. I don't think the call barred anything. I mean, did it cost Philly? Yeah, it did. But penalties cost you every week. Cincinnati, it cost them when he hit them out of bounds. You can't you can't have that penalty. You can do it early and get a, and get called for it, and you can make up for it. But you can't do it with less than three minutes left in the game. And you got one timeout. See, the best thing about doing this with your friend is that you can be real petty. So, you know, Daniel Jones, that's what it looks like when you throw for those little bit of yards and you get touchdown passes. Just saying. Anyway. Man, that's not anyway, even close. Anyway. He back, was throwing back, better passes. It just that back, it would get turnovers. So, you know, um, so, so first of all, props to Jalen Hurts for breaking Steve McNair's Super Bowl rushing record for a quarterback. Props to Patrick Mahomes for being the first MVP 
since Kurt Warner in that same Super Bowl against the Titans went in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP. So, you know, props all around the board to everybody because that was a great game. It came down to the wire. That's all you can ask for in a Super Bowl. But I remember a time where the most feared play in the NFL was Michael Vick taking off. You know what I mean? And, you know, nowadays maybe people feel that way about Lamar Jackson. But apparently Philadelphia showed us that the most feared thing in the NFL is Kansas City's jet sweep. Because I think that's what caught them in the motion plays on both of those touchdowns where they were waiting for that little flip or that little shovel pass in – you know, Kansas City just went somewhere else with it, you know, by the way, called by Eric Bieniemy apparently, you know. But, you know, I think that Philadelphia has no reason to hang their head. You know, I still don't know what a catch is, you know, um, as you mentioned. I, thought I didn't Bronx- think the Dallas Goddard one was a catch until they played the replay and he actually got his foot back down before yeah, he squeezed so- it on his head. Yeah, so I thought Smith's was a catch. I didn't think Goddard's was a catch. I have no idea. I still don't really have a true full picture of if it was a fumble or not in the flat, you know, I'm still, you know, I, I'm still in the middle on, I can see it being a fumble. I can see it not being a fumble. Maybe you stick with what's called. I think the fumble, it says you have to have like a third move. It's, yeah, the third foot, they, they call they, it. They've been trying to rewrite these rules and trying to make it seem like it's clear, but it isn't. It makes it even less clear because of Devontae Smith, the 2014, Dez caught it. Like, that was the same thing where, like, he went to the ground. Even though he had it in the air, but he went to the ground, he hit it, it rolled, it came out. That was Devontae Smith. And then the year Philly and New England played the Super Bowl, they made an adjustment towards the end of the playoffs. Like, the playoffs saying, hey, and I think they sent the message out to the refs, like, yo, a catch is a catch. We're going to call it a catch. Right. And then that following offseason, they wrote the rules because there was a couple plays in that Philly Super Bowl. I think one of the running backs ran like a wheel route and he caught it in the back of the end zone. But his hands came off of it a little bit, but he had it. His hands did this and they thought he grabbed it. And they're like, hey, it's a catch because they were trying to rewrite the rules to where mm-hmm. a, a play like that doesn't impact the Super Bowl. So that season, they wrote the rules like, if you have the catch and you make like a third move, like that was the, I think right. that was the line of demarcation. The yeah, the, yeah, the way the they work is, is the third, third move. Yeah, but the that's third the thing. They call it a third move can be turning up field if someone determines right. that that's a third move, or the third step is a third move, or if he has it in one hand and shifts to the other hand, they can consider that a move right. because the word is move. It's not possessions. It's just right. a third move. And see, and that's where I got stuck because he caught it. And I think he was like coming out of the turn. He was coming out of the turn. You but know, his, so so he had made the turn. Didn't make the his head was yet. facing upfield. You know what I mean? And you know, before we go any further, props to Nick Bolton. You know, you know who should have had that second touchdown, in my opinion. But you know, he played all 74 snaps for the Chiefs. And if it wasn't a such thing as Patrick Mahomes and Isaiah Pacheco would have got a couple of those touchdowns, Bolton would have probably been your Super Bowl MVP. When he got the first touchdown, I put ten dollars on him because he was still plus ten thousand. Yeah, so ten dollars so, would have been a thousand dollars. And so then he scooped up the second one after the Miles Sanders fumble. I guess from right. So, so I had but to write this down. Two so, touchdowns for a defensive player that's guaranteed MVP. Yeah, so I had to write this down. He he played all seventy-four snaps in the game or defensive snaps for Kansas City. He had seven solo tackles with two assists. And then I don't know, you know, who keeps up with this stat, you know, so I apologize for not citing you, but he was the first defender to the ball carrier on five different plays. 
you know, he also did not give up any first downs in coverage. So the man played a game, you know. Um, I think that what bit Philly in the end was when we talked the last week, the thing that I brought up was how Philly should have been able to run the ball on Kansas City, you know, but Philly just didn't stick to the run. Now, you can argue they didn't have to, you know, because everything else was working. Jalen Hurts was working. But, you know, Philly only had 17 carries, you know, when you don't include the rushes that Jalen Hurts had. So, yeah, you know, I think they put that in play deliberately because of that, because that because Jalen Hurts, they caught a lot of those runs for him. Right. Honestly, I can look at this game, even with the Jalen Hurts fumble, they still won up at halftime by 10. Mm-hmm. I just think it was a game where it's the game we wanted. It's the game you want to see where each team plays great, and then it comes down to the final play. Mm-hmm. It just so happens a few plays before there was a penalty, but that happens a lot. A lot of games have penalties or calls that get reversed, whatever the case may be. But the game played out the way it was supposed to. I don't think Philly butchered any. I don't think no. Sarah made bad calls. No. We had a missed field goal by Kansas City. They went down 10 and a half time. Their quarterback is limping off the field in between. I mean, like, all everything you want and need in a football game of that magnitude, Rihanna out there playing Super Smash Brothers in her, in her performance, is just like everything you want in a football game occurred. I just think that people wanted to believe this narrative that a script or one team when it was better for the league than the other. Listen, we're going to talk about football now. We're going to talk about it next week. We're going to talk about it when the draft comes. We're going to talk about if Chicago is going to trade the number one pick. We're going to talk about football every week, no matter what this script or all this narratives that people talk about. So people are acting, having this fake outrage, thinking like, oh, this is, listen, that Super Bowl game was great. And I was calling as I was watching it. I was like, yo, this is going to go down as one of the greatest Super Bowls we've ever seen. And that was when the score was like 7-7. Seven to seven. Mm-hmm. And Philly got the ball back and they were moving. And then the fumble happened. I was like, yo, this is going to be one of those games that we're going to talk about for a while. Right. And and when we were going into the game, you know, one of the things that I pointed out as a strength was Philly's offensive line. You know, Kansas City's offensive line earned their pay that day. You know, they came out there and that zero vaunted, sacks, zero sacks, that vaunted Philly defense could not get through. And, you know, going back to their previous Super Bowl, the Super Bowl that they lost to Tampa Bay, it was all about the offensive line. So, you know, um, it was great to see that turn around for them. But Miles Sanders, I was going to say, you know, seven carries for 16 yards, you know. So I'm not necessarily focused on the yards, but I just would have thought that he would got he would have gotten more carries than that. He got rocked. His first yeah, he carry. did. He did. And, 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 you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, is, I guess, he's becoming a thrower, you know. But what I was going to ask you was, what do you think about all this talk about the you know, they call it the tush push going away where the, it's, the, it's clearly illegal. <laughs> That's not legal. Reggie, the Bush push, Reggie the Bush, Bush is mad liner in Notre Dame. It's it's not, it's against the rules. If a, if a player pull, it's all, it's all like, you can't do that. You can't like push another player. Right, right. <laughs> like it's, it's in the rule book, but they don't call it. Yeah, they don't call it. You, you know, because you're taught to push the pile. Right. So every single time somebody pushed a pile, they would have to call it. So all you're doing is pushing a pile. Mm-hmm. 
And you know, I, I know. I think they should get rid of. It. I think you should just be able to stop. Don't get, don't let me the third one. I know Giants fans have to feel a certain way watching Kadarius Tony do his Dante Hall impression. You know, um, he he com- completely flipped the game. I mean, granted, obviously Patrick Mahomes had a lot to do with that, but yeah. you know, this was a guy that was often hurt. You know, didn't play a lot, and when he did play, you could say he was a little bit of a disappointment from what the Giants probably thought they were getting. You know, and the redemption story of Juju, you know, like he was gone out of Pittsburgh and a lot of people felt like maybe this was it for him or maybe Kansas City was going to be that lifeline that could keep him in the league. But it's it for him. Only reason it was legit because Patrick Mahomes can throw the ball to anybody. Mm hmm. Yeah, Juju, so Juju's, Juju got more, has more energy for dudes on Twitter than he does on the football <laughs> field. Like, he needs to stop. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of grown men beefing on the internet. Yeah, don't even get me stop. started on Tiger Woods right stop now. Posting memes is like, I heard somebody say something once. It was like, yo, rap beef is funny because it's like you get in an argument with a dude and then go write a poem and tell him how mad you are. So it's like every time I see Juju beefing or Jackson Mahomes dancing behind his brother. I'm like, yo, can y'all chill out and recognize the moment? Like, stop being so selfish that you got to take over the moment, post it. Like, it's just, it's obnoxious. His career is going to be all right. He'll be, you know, your typical third guy in, in Kansas City. He won't command that much money. And Patrick Mahomes will hit you if you open. Because he threw the ball to a tight end. I haven't seen him catch a pass all year. And I watch a lot of <laughs> Kansas City games on, like, a crucial, like, second and 12 or something like that, and he caught it for a first down. Mm-hmm. So, the, guy, the guy's just special. Um, and, like I said, we, you know, it, it, it just was special to watch because, like I said, he threw for 187 182 yards. 182 yards, yep. 182 yards, and it felt like 382. So, like so impactful those throws were. How do you like Juju and Kelsey looking at the line confused or whatever that was, like their bootleg? We don't like, know what's going on. I like that. That I was like pretty that. awesome. It's like the it's like the wrong ball trick. Ever see the youth football yep. game? It's like wrong ball, wrong ball. Yeah, I like it. I think you should have fun. It's a game. Yeah, like it took me back. It, when it comes down to it, it's a game. Honestly, showing my age right now, it took me back to the Marino fake spike against the Jets. That's what it took me back to. You know, like, like one of the best plays ever. You know, but so with that being said, you know, um, so should I just prepare? for Kansas City to be in the Super Bowl next year? Or if I say Kansas City's not going to make the Super Bowl next year, are they going to make the Super Bowl and say they said we weren't going to make the Super Bowl and that's what the season is all about? I think the because we had this conversation last year when people were saying, oh, because Tyreek went to Miami, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes going to get exposed. It's like, you know, he throws a ball to everybody. Yeah, having Tyreek was a luxury, mm-hmm. but it was like having heated seats in a Lamborghini. Like, you, you still got a Lamborghini, and that's what Patrick Mahomes is. Like he, he, he you, you can see it. You can see it every single week, no mm-hmm. matter what. Mm-hmm. You can, you can, you can be in the audience, and if you're six two, you can run a four eight. <laughs> they can throw a jersey on you, and you'll catch two passes on third down, and he'll line right back up and go for the next play. Like it just, they say it's unconventional, but I don't think it's unconventional. I think he just. He just has it. He just has that ability. Just, like I was reading about his it. I was reading about his father, you know, being awesome in high school, you know, averaging 30 points a game in basketball, being a salutatorian and everything. So this is in his genes, you know, and and I think that he came in with enough because you know, we see quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, you know, they were meant 
to do this or whatever the case may be. They come into the league, they make these throws, but that's the thing. They make the throws, you know, Mahomes, he improvises, you know, he makes plays, not only throws, but he just makes plays. And even with his bum angle ankle, when he took off for that 30 yard or whatever it was, that scamper at the end of the game, yeah. that just shows you who Patrick Mahomes is. He's like, I'm here. I'm a gamer. I'm yes. I am it. I am the dude that should have won MVP last couple of years. I am that dude that makes it go. Right. I make it go. But I think he does a great job of saying that other people make me good. Other people are here. Other people like Kelsey getting open. He talks about the line block and he talks about McKinnon picking up blocks. Like, yeah, I imagine. Talk to him. He says that. He doesn't say anything about. He says that guy ran a great route and I just had to put the ball on him. Like that's what he said. I think he honestly believes that he got, he signed a contract. It's what we talked about his contract last week. Mm-hmm. It's very team friendly. And it's like, if he believes in himself, because every, every agent said it was a terrible deal. Like, well, that's because it's a lot of guys getting money and their mm-hmm. flashes in the pan, i.e. Carson Wentz getting his money. Baker Mayfield was up to get money. Like, think about that. Baker Mayfield was up for an extension last year. Didn't get one. Kirk Cousins got his franchise money. So, like, everybody that's up for the money, Stafford got his money from Detroit. Everybody's up for the money. He's not really built for your franchise. They're just up for the money. Patrick Mahomes is up for the bag. Got it. But he made sure that, like, oh, I'm going to be able to pay everyone. Tyreek just wanted $30 million. Like, you can't pay a wide receiver $30 million. When you, I don't even think, I think we did the math. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is getting $30 million. He's no, he's like, not. He's getting like bonuses that are like $32 million. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still, so, uh, you know, they did all the cap math and everything else. And I mean, it, and it worked out because before Tyreek Hill's quarterback couldn't wake up, you know, he was in the MVP conversation. So, so it worked out for both sides, you know, and I think that Kansas City. Five picks. <laughs> Kansas City has five picks. Mm-hmm. Oh. So with that being said, Mr. Rutley, Kansas City a dynasty? If we're going strictly football and we go back, we got I think people would consider New England a dynasty, but if you look at it, they got three and four years early in Tom Brady's career. Mm-hmm. And then for ten years, they got nothing. And then they got three more for four years, and then he left, and then he got the one with Tampa Bay. But they were considered a dynasty, even though they didn't win like ten years, like the ten. It, granted, they went eighteen and one one year, and then they went like by fourteen and two. And when they lost to the Giants for the second time, they, I mean they've had great years. Then you got the Cowboys in the nineties, Forty Niners, Forty Niners in the nineties and the eighties. Steelers in the seventies, yeah. If we go, if we go by those that metric, then yes, you got five straight AFC championships hosted at home. So that means you have to make it. You have to have home for the advantage. So more likely, you got to be the one or the two seed. You know, every and, year. And if anybody out there does not think Kansas City is a dynasty, it's all D Ford's fault. It's all D Ford's fault for lining yeah, up in the neutral he's zone. He's like Patrick Mahomes is MVP that year, and he goes to the Super Bowl, and they they would play against who was that opponent? They, they would have played. Oh, my, I'm having a brain. Yeah, <laughs> I lost too. it. I'm I'm I lost it. 
Oh, was, was that the Philly, Philly year? The Philly special. That was the that Philly, was Philly special year. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the Philly yeah. special year. No, it was the Rams year. Ah, Jarrett Golf. Yeah, it was the Rams year. Yeah, that was Jarrett Golf Rams year. The year after. Yeah, yeah. I deployed. Yeah, I deployed yeah. that year. Um. So, but that being said, I say that dynasty based off the the previous decades of just like I said, we just look at football. We're not looking at the three peats of basketball with Jordan winning six out of eight years or Golden State, like because basketball is a little different because you can keep your team together a little bit a little bit easier in basketball. But for football, you got 53 men on an active roster, like 26 of them are gone every year. Like you bring back like 35 players for the most part, every team, like they're just cycling players mm-hmm. in and out. So you bring about 35 players back every year. So to do that and still host AFC championships, go to three Super Bowls, be down 10 and both of those Super Bowls and still win. We knew what happened in the Tampa game. It just was like, but even in the Tampa game, he had an incomplete pass that made the top 100 plays in a year. <laughs> So as long as they can keep Kelsey and draft or bring in like another dynamic wide receiver and keep the that can keep the defense back because right now they're playing like like they almost said they're playing a shell coverage. Mm-hmm. You just need somebody that can break into that. I don't know if Kadarius Tony is that guy. I don't know if he's a, I think he's just like a gadget guy. I think he's a guy that you bring in slot route. You Kansas City. Kansas City, go get Josh Downs. Don't allow don't allow the Chargers to get him. You know, but so so when you're looking at dynasties, do you consider division titles a part of the mix as well? Well, considering that Patrick Mahomes has played 30 in division games and they're 27 and three in those games, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty good. Well, 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 not only that because you know, as I was going back to look at this, <clears throat> they've won the division every year since 2016. So that was even before Mahomes. You know, that was before still Mahomes, that's where Alex Smith right Travis and Powell, and. Right. And then uh, but since 2013, so 2016, they've won the division every year since from 2013 up until 2016, they finished at least second. So they were always in the mix, you know, for the division, you know, pre Patrick Mahomes, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes was the ingredient that they needed to get to the next level. You know, so um, if Kansas City, how do we look back on Kansas City if they don't make another title game for the next two or three years, or if they don't win another Super Bowl in the next three or four years, how do we look back at them? Or what they just, yeah. Like, like, cause, cause you know, people like to go back after the fact and change and like, definitions oh, they, and all that stuff. Right. Well, in order for them not to be competing for AFC championships, it would have to be, they don't pay they don't pay the people who made the dynasty what it is. So whatever you got to pay Chris Jones, you got to pay him. I think Frank Clark already got paid. You can't make guys like take pay cuts. You got to you got to be realistic. You got to either draft well to replace these guys, or you got to pay them. Because that's you like that's how you 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 have a good run because you're not paying you're not paying the top wide receiver money. I don't think they're paying a big defensive end free agent. Like we know Buffalo is paying Von Miller like 120 mm-hmm. million. Mm-hmm. Demarcus Lawrence in Dallas is getting over 100 million. 
Aaron Donald's getting over. Like, so we know, like, there's guys and other teams that are getting, like, getting a bag in these defensive yeah, spots. Yeah, and they, and they don't have big oh, money running backs. No big money running backs. Your defensive secondary was all rookies, rookies for the most part yeah. and Sneed. So I think you have an opportunity to say you can look to the future and say, hey, Chris Jones, we can't pay you this. But if you just say, you know what? Let's ride this out for the next three years and do not necessarily what L.A. did, like where you just mortgage your future. But instead of being concerned that in 2027, you won't have cap space if you pay these two defensive ends who might be like 27 to 28. No, don't worry about that. Just pay the guys now because you have what they have is like a reverse of having like a quarterback on the rookie deal. Mm-hmm. But they have they have a quarterback on a team friendly deal, and then they have playmakers on rookie deals. Like you can't you can't beat that. It's as far as like a setup. Every team in the NFL would want that. Either you want you want the top defensive team and a quarterback on a rookie deal, i.e. like San Francisco. You want something like that where you you can pay Debo twenty two million, you can pay Kittle eighteen million. But you got this rookie, and you got him on this rookie deal for three years, and your defense is stacked. Young talent, guys that you paid, and then they they start starting to outplay their contract. So you have that. So that works out. Philly, Philly's the same way. Philly has a lot of like older guys that aren't getting big money, but they're like cores to the team, so they you can keep that going. So I don't know how much they got to pay Jalen Hurts. I don't know if he has the luxury of being able to take a Mahomes deal. Because the, I think they play differently. You're going to run me this much. I can't rest on the fact. Like, they don't run quarterback seats with Mahomes anymore because that time his league got dislocated. That was like three years ago. He doesn't run quarterback seats anymore. All right. Because so I got pussy his leg. Okay, so, so I got I think, two more questions for chance, you. I think they got a chance to be competing for Super Bowls realistically next season and the season after that. And I think guys like uh, I think a guy like T Higgins. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his bag request is, but I think he'll he's looking around like they don't have number one guy in Kansas City. I can be a number one guy in Kansas City. I don't know how they make that happen, but some I think I think guys start looking at it that way, like oh they have cap space, maybe I slide over there. So without getting too deep into the be enemy topic. You know, what do you think that impact of him not being there is and potentially bringing back Nagy? Or does it matter uh, because Andy Reid is the conductor? So this is what's going to happen. Matt Nagy's going to be wearing a headset, right? And the one's going to be Andy Reid telling him what plays the call. And then Matt Nagy's mouthpiece is going to be connected to this one. And he's going to tell Matt, uh, Mahomes what the play is. That's it. Just that simple? That's it, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, um, you know, there there are options out there for Kansas City. Like, I don't know how much money they want to spend, but, you know, I've, but apparently, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is a trade target potentially for a lot of teams. You know, I don't know if that's the move. You know, I don't know if you want to draft a guy to be your number one, you know, so I, so I think they would probably look at the free agent market, you know, but then again, they could get caught up in that trap of look at what Mahomes did without a number one receiver. You know, look at Lamar Jackson. He's still waiting for one. Lamar came by a wide receiver. That's, yeah. that's why That's why I told, you know. At the league from Miami. 
Hey, you remember what I told you? He related to like three dudes in the league. You, you remember what I told you? <laughs> you remember what I told you when they said that uh, Jalen Brown was potentially on the table for KD? You know, get the f out of my office. That's Lamar Jackson walking into the office and saying, "Go get me DeAndre Hopkins. Go get me T Higgins. Go get me, or I'm getting the f out of your office." See, I like DeAndre Hopkins with Lamar because I think, without a doubt, he will be the number one wide receiver target. I'm not so sure if DeAndre Hopkins and Patrick Mahomes were. Because, like Patrick Mahomes said at the beginning of this press conference, like, hey, I'm sorry to the fantasy guys, but every week is going to be a different guy. Mm-hmm. Like the week that Kelsey had four touchdowns, he had 26 yards receiving. So, like, he wasn't targeting him all the way down the field. He just was like, yo, he's my best red zone target. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that DeAndre is like a diva wide receiver, but I know he's a bona fide one. Mm-hmm. And he's gone from, Houston, where he was the one that he had everybody throwing him the ball. Then he goes to Arizona, and he has Kyler Murray throwing him the ball, and mm-hmm. it just doesn't work out. I just don't know if he can come into Kansas City and be like, all right, now let me take a step back, because I think he felt like people probably are forgetting that he is a top, he's a number one guy. But the last time we've seen him play like a number one, he was in Houston, and people didn't really watch in Houston. So yeah, that's back like, when he was getting away with those Michael Irvin push-offs, too. You know, Michael Irvin hit you with that elbow on a heartbeat. (laughs) Run, he'd wait on it. All right. So, so do you think? So, do you think that, like, long story short, are people afraid that the Chiefs are becoming the Patriots? Yes. Okay. Because they can beat your favorite team. They can beat your favorite team because where every team has a hole, Mm -hmm. they have something to to compensate for that. Like, they say Kansas City doesn't run the ball well. They don't run it a lot. But what they do is spread you out. And one drive, like Pacheco, they just kept giving them the ball. Yeah. Pop one. one of these is going to pop. Just keep giving them the ball. One of these is going to pop. Like, P- we'll Pacheco scares me. You know we can throw it. Pacheco scares me a little bit, man. That dude be running that ball like, he be running that ball like he Adrian Peterson or something. Like, yeah. he runs hard, you know what I mean? Jersey. You know, oh, that's what it is? It's a Jersey thing. <laughs> Jersey. Like, go to Millville. Go to Millville. It's, 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 it's a tough, it's a tough. But, it's but a don't tough forget. And he, and he has a tough story. Like, his, like his, uh, his brother was his brother that killed. His sister mm-hmm. got killed by her, her, uh, her child's father. So it's like, he's from a tough area and a tough life. And people really, like, I give, I'm a lot of my, my friends from down there. A couple of my friends from down there. So, like. Super Bowl, a lot of them are Eagles fans because Millville is right across the way from Philly. Like that's that was their, that was where they hung out. So Jersey is basically divided. Central Jersey, you either Philly or Giants fan. Further you go north, you're more Giants. South, you're more Eagles. There's yeah, so no so Jets like, in there. The Jets are mainly people in like Long Island, Staten Island. They're Jet fans. So the Islands, the New York mm-hmm. Islands, they're Jet fans. Jersey and Giants fans. Um, I know it's, it seems crazy, but like the Jet fans are mostly Met fans, Giant fans are Yankee fans, yeah. the Islander fans, and then the Yankee fans are Ranger fans. Then you got the Knicks, they're like Knicks fans, Yankee fans, Giants, like they're all the same like group, same thing. So, um, yeah, but the way he runs the ball, he, he runs it tough. He runs it, he runs it like he doesn't care 
that he is using his shoulder mm-hmm. to, to go through your chest. And so Kansas City can do that. We talked about Buffalo. Buffalo could be competing for champions. They could be an AFC championship every year. If they would just listen to all the people who talk about them and say, they don't run the ball enough. <laughs> it's not even like a big, crazy analysis. It's not like, like on those plays in that Miami playoff game. Miami had no business having an opportunity to take the lead and win that game in the fourth quarter. But on like third and two, he's throwing deep bombs. Like just run it. Beat them with offensive linemen run the ball. Uh, Quentin Nelson for the coach, he wears a hat on the sideline and says run the damn ball. Mm -hmm. Just run the ball. Well, you know. Maddie's good, but. I think the, it's just it, I think the, the young quarterback talent in the AFC is not. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. As football fans, being better than the rest of them is is like that's the that's the trump card. That's what I was going to say. As football fans, we're blessed, you know, because all these guys are young, roughly around the same age. Mahomes is the oldest, you know what I mean. So Burrow, you know, Allen, Herbert. You know, like we got all these. Yo, I rock with Herbert. I, like, I rock I like, with Herbert too, but I mean, I like Herbert. I the ball. I just don't like. I don't like the. I don't like the play calling. And so I like, like I said, I, I, I always mention Mando talk about this. When I play, like I played the Falcons all day. The defense is like on Madden. The defense is rated like 67 to 68. The offense is like 69. Like it's not stacked at all. But when you play these games, people play with these NFL teams the same way these NFL coaches do. I'm like, are they getting there? I played a guy. <laughs> All he did, he just was lined up in four and five wide, and he would just throw it. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to QB spot. And then you try to run, and then he gets hit, and I'm getting these interceptions. Now you're quitting because the score is 14-0. It's like just – it's simple. Austin Eckler had 915 yards rushing each year. How? He should be at 1,200 yards because it's not like he doesn't touch the ball. Like they throw it to him. Just run it. Give his arm a break. Just run the ball. So, like, I think the AFC, I think Jacksonville, I think Jacksonville will, I think Jacksonville will jump Buffalo and the Chargers Ooh. and Cincinnati next year. Oh, big time prediction right there. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's just wait till free agency and the draft happens. We'll, we'll revisit that. We will relitigate that. But um, so I was thinking, so I was thinking, you know, being 2-5 and everything, and, you know, I talk to all these people, sports groups. I talk to people on the streets. You know, I talk to people at work. And I think, like, I'm one of the few fans that watch a sport from the standpoint of, hey, here's a team. Here's a team. Let's see who's the best team. Like, I don't really deal with all-star games and all that kind of stuff because I want my games to mean something. But most people, I think, like dynasties or at, or, or at the very least sports leagues probably like dynasties from the standpoint of, it gives you a villain that everybody hates, so the ratings come in or whatever the case may be. So does a sport need – does the NFL need dynasties? I don't think they need a dynasty because we're so, like, encapsulated by the sport holistically. I think everybody loves football. Like, football moms, like I said, my son played football. They're in the audience with their son's jerseys on. They're doing the posters. They're on the sideline. Team moms – like, people love football. Like, they love it more than my son's played lacrosse, baseball, basketball. He wrestled football. Football, by far, gets the biggest 
crowd. Like grandparents are there, siblings are there, friends show up. Like, so the wrestling events are packed. That's because it's like a hundred wrestlers. But the football game is only 30, 40 kids on the field. Mm-hmm. Fans are packed. Just everybody shows up. Your school shows up. You might not like anybody on the team, but it's your school. You show up. I think people show up for football more than anything else. So I don't think the NFL needs a dynasty. Well, you know, so looking back, so looking back, you know, I remember I remember the Patriots going back to back. I remember the 49ers going back to back. I remember the Cowboys going back to back. And for a few of those years, you know, you ended up with some. NFC championship game that involved San Francisco, Dallas, or Green Bay. And, you know, that was just the way it was in the early 90s. Dion was swapping teams and everything. But the reason that I asked that question is because, you know, I was looking at the NBA, for example. And in the NBA, you know, everything revolved around Lakers Celtics for a very long time. And then you had the Bulls with their two three-peats, you know. And I think the league was kind of quiet until the Kobe Shaq thing came along. But then when LeBron went to Miami, you know, the whole, you know, we're going to win not one, not two, all that good stuff like that. Miami became that villain and the NBA was just on fire. And sometimes I feel like even with the Warriors now, you know, I just don't feel that same spark in the NBA or I don't feel that same intensity from fans or strong opinions outside of just caring about their favorite players. But when I look at baseball, that was the one that threw me off because, you know, so I already told you, uh, you know, I gave you the spoiler alert. The Yankees are the last team that repeated as World Series champions. Do you happen to remember what year that was? Uh, I would say probably pre-9-11 because I didn't win it that year. So 2000? Yes. yes, it was 1999, actually. And then, so just for, you know, blanks and giggles, I went back to look because obviously hey, Yeah, so, you know, like the Yankees, for example, they won the World Series back-to-back. They were the last team to win back-to-back back in 1999. But since the Yankees are an American League team, I went back because I said there's no way that a national team, national league team could have went that far in between repeating. So what I found in my discovery is that the Cincinnati Reds were the last national league team to repeat. And I'll give you How long ago was that? Oh, I was going to give you a guess because this is fun. I want to give you a guess. Just take 77, one 78. Hey, look at that. 75, 76. Look at that. You know, okay. you know, but but that's that's over 50 years ago, you know, since the last National League team won. But we're getting close to 25 years, you know, since any baseball team, you know, has repeated. But the reason that that was um, important to me was because baseball and I don't think one necessarily correlates with the other. But baseball's popularity has been declining as well. And I wonder, there was a time where the Yankees was the big, bad, evil empire, you know, and I think people got enjoyment out of them on the cowboy level of if I hate them, I want to watch them lose. And if I love them, hey, I'm here for the party. Exactly. But I think the Yankees, they were the first team to like organize their own the network. So they were getting the network money. They had the Yes Network. So they were able to pay people more than other teams. Right. So then Boston got bought out and everything else. So so that's why I was wondering how that correlates to the NFL, because I think that any sport, regardless of the sport, I think there's just more interest in general when there's a dominant team, when there's a dynasty, you know, like Kobe, Shaq, Lakers, 
you know, the NBA got to a certain level. But the problem was the perception of the East, you know, was awful for about 15 years, you know, yeah. where the West was the strong conference. Whereas in the NFL, we're running into that a little bit, just looking at it from a quarterback standpoint, because as we mentioned, the AFC has all these young guns, so to speak. Whereas like the NFC isn't as strong from a quarterback perspective, but I, I just wonder, you know, is Kansas City versus whoever in the AFC championship game just going to be the de facto Super Bowl for a while? Well, see, that's the thing. I talked to someone who's a Philly fan before the NFC championship game, and he said that the NFC championship game this season was going to be the de facto Super Bowl. He was like, whoever wins that game is going to win a Super Bowl. I was like, oh, so there's no way. If you know San Francisco were able to beat Philly, that Brock Purdy was going to beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Right. Or so, Joe Burrow. Yeah. So but I, I thought Patrick Mahomes was going to win. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I thought that for a while. Um, I think I think the thing with, with, with parody versus dynasty is if you are, like, rooting for the dynasty is easy. But then people will say, oh, well, like, for instance, the UConn women, when they ran off like 100 wins in a row and three straight national championships, people didn't like that. But we watched and we tracked it and ESPN tracked it. Now, imagine if Kentucky would have won 100 games in a row. The media coverage would have been crazy for it. So yes. I think I think there's room for it. Yeah, and with that being said, I will never forgive John Calipari for 2015, starting out 38-0 and losing in the Final Four to Sam Decker in the Wisconsin Badgers. Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah, Frank you know, because I think we would have, I think we would have killed Duke that year. But anyway, you know, but but to the UConn point, I think the the major issue with that was, you know, when you look at college basketball scores on the women's side. Sometimes it's ugly, man, like like 97 to 38 and, you know, 101 to 40 and stuff like that. So I think that had more to do with it than the actual concept of one they team being dominant. dominant. They had the player of the year, but they, they were constantly, for, you go back to Rebecca Lobo, Sue Bird, Diana Tarazi, Maya Moore. Moore. I mean, like, so you have, then you, you, get, you got the new young guns, you have Brianna Stewart. You had just every year, Gina Ariema, UConn uh, Huskies women basketball, and they were going to be in there. I well, personally don't mind the dynasty because it's not, especially with a salary cap league. If you have a salary cap league and you have a dynasty, that just shows that your your players are just better, your coaches are better. Yes, and your breaks are better. Everyone gets a break. Everyone needs a lucky break. Everyone. Oh needs- yeah, the Warriors. The Warriors got all the breaks literally for their opponents. Yeah. You need them, and the same thing. Toronto got some breaks, but you still got to perform. Like Kawhi Leonard got to get away with that travel against Philly in Game Seven to hit that jumper. Like you need things to go your way every single year to win. So for a team to be in championship contention every single year, you got to avoid scandals. You have to avoid coaching your coaching staff. You have to avoid people recruiting your players. You have to avoid free agency. So for I think it's more I think it should be I think it should be applauded more well, I think, if you're capable of holding a team together in this in this day and time. Yeah. I think I think teams appreciate dynasties as long as they have a threat. You know, if so part of it. 
people well, appreciate it. But well, I'm just saying, like, like, like using Golden, like using Golden State as that example. You know, um, Golden State was the standard. You know, but then they went and got KD, and it became kind of uninteresting because even with the best player in the world, possibly best player of all time, you know, we were still looking at sweeps in five game series on the other side of the court. So so I think that's where the league just cuz even with Miami when LeBron went that to Miami was a free agent move and No, it was. It was to make the ultimate difference. It so was a punk move, ball, that's what it was. It was a punk the, move. That's the dynasty thing in basketball <laughs> and the reason that it doesn't have the same like the same vigor to it is that you we've seen it happen to where Miami adds Chris Bosh and LeBron James and then you get a guy like Mike Miller to come play for Peanuts. Shane Battier out there playing for free Ray ball. Allen. Ray Allen comes out, comes out of retirement to, to hit game-winning threes or game-time threes and things like and that. And I will never forgive Ray Allen for that. Listen, man, you got to do what you got to do. Listen, Boston had no loyalty to them. They didn't draft him. That's there. true. They didn't. They didn't. But Ray Allen's my guy, man. And then Milwaukee went out and gave his number away, so they can't even retire. It. So Hey, little, little known secret. Little, little known secret, Ray Allen is – like the first person that gave me the inspiration to shave my head, you know what I mean? So like Ray <laughs> Allen is my guy. No, not Jordan. I'm not a Jordan fan. Like, don't get me started on the Manila-eyed terror that he was. But but you but, know, but but you know, but dynasties, you know, I think Jordan that that eight years. That's a that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But that was because they had the guy that they drafted, and then they they, they you know they ran it up. So. I think dynasties are good. I think they're good for sport. Um, I think Kansas City, they're so likable. Travis Kelsey tries to be like a villain, but he's just so cool that it doesn't come off that way. You know what I mean, like you if, know, he did make me if, upset. If T.O. was saying the stuff that Travis Kelsey was saying, first of all, it would sound tougher. Travis right, Kelsey right, sounds right. tough. It sounds funny. But who it was? But who was tough. all these people? Who were all these people that like? Thought the Chiefs weren't going to make the playoffs. All, and, it was a lot of people. It was, was it? I saw a lot. Colin Cowherd picked Denver to win the division because they got Russell Wilson. Well, I heard, I heard, like. He's, he lives out west. He's a pundit. He's on TV all the time. He picked them. So many people picked against Kansas City. Well, it's I heard. I so heard many people, people being like the pundits. You know, well, like, I heard some people thought that after the Chargers made their moves, got Khalil Mack and, and that uh, J.C. Jackson and everything, I heard some people say. In third in that division. I, I heard, heard from multiple different CBS sports pundits, podcast pundits, um, Fox sports pundits. We had it in our group chat. Like, dude, I forgot who it was. You said Pat Mahomes going to get exposed. Like, it but but it goes back. But, it, but I think that goes back to that. I think that goes back to that LeBron and uh, I forgot who else it was, but that LeBron conversation about how I was saying, you know, you got 90 percent of people fawning over you and you spend your time focusing on the 10 percent. So like literally like whatever number of pundits were picking against the Chiefs or whatever the case may be, it probably wasn't more than like 5 percent of people that were making. I seen I saw a lot more. But it's not it's not that people were picking against them. It's like the logic they were trying to use and the, the lack of logic, essentially, of why they thought they were gonna fall off as well. So life. so okay, so, so riddle be this. I riddle Hill went to another team. That was all people used. And I'm like, but riddle be this, riddle be this. If 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 Buffalo lost Stefan Diggs right now, would people not say the same thing? 
You think that you think that Buffalo couldn't beat the Jets, New England, and Miami? I'm not the- saying I'm not saying whether they could or couldn't. I'm just I'm just asking. I'm just I'm just saying if yeah. they lost Stephon Diggs, I'm sure there would be a contingent of people that say, "Oh man, like I don't know what Buffalo's going to do without his number one target," or you know, or or if 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 Minnesota lost if Minnesota lost Justin Jefferson, you know what I mean? I'm sure, you know, I mean it's, that's just it comes from the territory. It's not the same thing. So if you look at it this way, Kansas City. Like you said, we ran it down. They ran a division essentially since 2016. So last six or seven seasons. Uh-huh. Mahomes, they dominated the division. So not only were they winning the division, they were dominating, considering, like I said, he's 27 to 3 in 30 games. So that means last year, he, I think he was like, if you take the six games off, that's 24 games. I think it was like 20 and 2. Or, or, or like twenty and four, maybe it's oh no, not, not four, but like yeah, like like twenty, like he had like over twenty wins and a couple losses. Uh-huh. So for you to just all of a sudden say because one guy left that the the team that dominated the division for four seasons was going to drop to third because Devontae Adams went to went to Vegas and Russell Wilson went to Denver and Khalil Mack went to L.A. That the team that's already established who lost one piece was going to fall off. It didn't, it didn't, didn't jive to me. It didn't make any sense. Cause like Kelsey was still there. Andy Reid was still there. Andy Reed was still there. Patrick Holmes is still there. Chris Jones is still there. Frank Clark is still there. Like their core players are still there. Right. And they replaced Juju with I mean, replaced uh, Tyreek Hill with just shorter threats. Like, yo, you're not going to go deep. You three are going to catch the 90 passes that he would have caught here. Mm-hmm. But, I don't think, but I don't think people were picking them to go like 6-11 and 11 or something like no, that. No, I think – but it's, it's like there was no real reason to pick against him. All right, so – And I think that's what – I think that's people – I think people hope that dynasties fall apart. Instead of looking at object – like I don't think Buffalo is going to fall apart. I think Buffalo wins the AFC East again next year because I think – their core players are better than the rest of the division. Hey, I don't know, man. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers might come up in there and be rejuvenated in that division. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers doesn't bring anybody back. <laughs> he is not that kind of player. You He's know, a front it, player. He is. He definitely is. He reminds me of Steph Curry in that way. More to come on that. He reminds me of like, like a Cam Newton or a Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. So, off the hip, hip, so, so where are we overall? So dynasties are good for sports? I think dynasties are good for sport because I think you need you need something for people to galvanize around. I think baseball, I think baseball just hasn't tried to create an inclusive audience. They're awful at marketing, you know. First of all, but you know, like they play these games at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. Well, I was talking to a guy at work yesterday. You know, I literally, for the life of me, for the life of me, if you showed me a picture of say five baseball players. Like not in uniform, but just like in suits or whatever the case. I could not tell you which one of those people are Mike Trout. Like I would probably pick the tallest one. You know what I mean? Like I have no, you know what I'm saying. I have no idea. I have no idea. He's also from Millville, New Jersey. You know, but there, there's people, there's baseball players that I could pick out. You know what I mean? I could I could pick out Justin Turner. I could pick out Clayton Kershaw. I could pick out, you know, just all. I cannot pick out this guy who is the best player in baseball. And because people say he's a top 10 player of all time. Because baseball, like I said, we talked about this before. Baseball, 
you can go up there and individually have a great year and the team not do well and the, your numbers will say it's not your fault. If you go, if you hit 39 home runs, 112 RBI, and you bat 303, and your team goes 62 and 100, it's like, well, <laughs> what I, what I, I did, I, I get my individual or your golden, like you, you know, you want a golden glove. Yeah. If you can be a golden glove center fielder, your team is 62 and 100, and you, you can have the career, you can have a career year. Yeah, old Barry Bonds never won in the World NBA. If you average 29-9-9 in the NBA, but your team is 35-47, and 47, people are like, oh, you only got 35 wins. But in <laughs> baseball, they don't say you only got 35 wins. They treat, right. they treat individual numbers like your individual number because you're the only person in the box at that point. Right. So you did so, your So So now that we settled on dynasties are good for sports, is the, is the NFL combine good for the NFL? No. Excuse me. No. I, I think it's good for I think it's good to keep that week of entertainment when we didn't have this 24-7 news cycle. So what, before we were watching everything on our phones, like even smartphones, 2010, you can get information, but you weren't I didn't have YouTube streaming videos to my phone. I didn't have like we didn't have like the phones were getting better, but now with the 24/7 news cycle, the NFL doesn't have to like steal a week from you in the off season. You can just put all the pro days on TV, and we're gonna watch them the same way. So you can right. put if there's like Josh Allen when he was in Wyoming, you can put Wyoming's pro day on TV. Zach Wilson got drafted number two because he had that one throw at the BYU pro day out here in Provo. So it's like. You can just put the pro days on TV and you can have the pundits, the Mel Kuypers, the Todd McShays, the Mayocks. You can have them talking about all these different players, their sleeper draft picks. And we're going to watch the combine. The problem with the combine was that even with the guys who were running these fast 40s, the knock would be he doesn't play that fast on tape. But if there was a guy that people projected to go top 10, i.e. like right now, C.J. Stroud. Like they project him to be a top five player. It could be a quarterback from Western Kentucky. That's just cool, right? Bailey Zappi, baby. They could go out there and make the same throws and you can look at his stats, you can look at him on film and they'll say, oh, well, yeah, he was playing at West Kentucky. He's not playing against the greatest defense. So they're going to relegate him to the third or fourth round already. C.J. Stroud can go out there to combine the wide receivers can drop the balls, or you can make a couple ill-placed throws, but then they'll say, put on a film and watch him. So <laughs> it became like like irrelevant to where it's like, oh yeah, I know he just ran a four-six, but when you put him on, when you put the tape on, when you put the tape on, like that was like the caveat to, yeah, this doesn't really mean anything because you got a guy who runs a four-three and he has a broad jump of eleven feet. But he said, when you put the tape on, he gets beat man coverage a lot. It's like, so why is he there? So what is he doing? Like, either you're going to put the tape on and say he's good or he isn't, or you're going to put the combine information out there and say that's what makes him good. So it really just becomes this intrusive, invasive interview process to where you're asking Des Bryant if his mom was a prostitute. Awful. Awful. So I'm glad they got rid of the combine. It's, I think it was shady. I thought, I mean, I've always thought it was an issue. 
but I knew it was something was up when they measured Kyler Murray at five, ten, and three quarters, and he didn't do his height at his pro day. <laughs> and I know for a fact he's not five, ten, and three quarters. Yeah. If he's five, eight, and three quarters, I'd buy that. Yeah. But five, ten, it is cleats. They're known as helmet, maybe. So, you know, I always like <laughs> looking at numbers, I guess. So, I wanted to look at Wonderlick scores because I know that I've heard in the past about how, you know, quarterbacks that do well on the Wonderlick, you know, tend to do well in the league, right? So, from anything that I've read, a good Wonderlick score is probably about 26, you know. So, here's some Wonderlick numbers for you. So, Brett Favre. Scored a 22. Peyton Manning scored a 28. Philip Rivers scored a 30. All right. That sounds normal, right? Yeah. Check it it out. Oh, we're about to get good. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mr. Harvard, of course, scored a 48. Carson, I don't want him to be my quarterback next year, Wentz, scored a 40. He scored a 40. Steve Young scored a 33. So so the Wonderlick just kind of, like, I guess it's a good test as far as aptitude and how quickly you can answer a question and how critically potentially you could think. But when you're out there on the football field, I need you to tell me what that linebacker is going to do. I don't need to know what time the trainer is going to arrive in New Orleans. No, Greg McElroy got a perfect score. Yeah. Yeah, yeah how's was, that working out? Shout out to Greg McElroy. I like him. He was in the announcer booth before his first rookie deal would have expired. <laughs> All right, so 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 check. Hold up, hold up. Indulge me for indulge me for a couple more seconds. Indulge me for a couple more seconds. So, Antonio Brown. We talked about him last week. You know about how he's a Hall of Fame talent, but you, got you know, score? but he ain't. No, I don't have a score. But what I have, so you know, we we do the combine, and I guess the point of this is to see how fast people are, how strong they are, so on and so forth, and then you can project down the road what they're going to be. So Antonio Brown, he ran a 4.56, which ain't bad, you know, but he only repped 13 times on the bench, and he only had a 33-and-a-half vertical. You know, uh, he was was considered average in the shuttle in the three-cone drills, and he went in the sixth round. You know, because he couldn't lift enough weights. And then one more that I wanted to point out real quick before I hand it back to you. Um, Calais Campbell, you know, great player. Um, He ran a 5.0440. Maybe we don't care about that because of his position. But the reason that's important is because for his position, the average is 4.81. He only benched 16 reps, which was worst amongst his peer group that year at his position. You know, and he was a he was considered to be below average in the vertical and the agility run. You know, I think that worked out pretty good for him. I mean, he was six foot eight. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's always that. You don't need a you don't need a great vertical when you six eight, right? You you just need leverage, and I think um, the interview on the pivot they did with Mike Tomlin. So you know, you got Fred Taylor. Shannon Crowder, Crowder, yep. And Ryan Clark, they interviewed 
Mike Tomlin in his house. And he uh -huh. was like, I run the coaching. He was like, I see these scouting reports that say his guy's arms are too short or his hand placement is off. He's like, I can teach that. And I think that what it comes down to is like, I, I, I just tell my son this. I was like, listen, some kids are football players. Some kids are just playing football. The kids that are football players will stand out. So you don't have to be the fastest. You just got to work hard. You got to know what's going on. Because there's plenty of kids out there who run, get hit. And it's like, ah, and that's it for them. Right. So there's plenty of guys out there that can run fast. Like we talked about John Ross in our little pre-meeting. He hurt himself doing the 40. And I don't think he's caught 40 passes his entire time in the league. Oh, and don't forget, don't forget my Maryland Terp, Darius Hayward Bay. Don't forget him, you know. Well, he went to Pittsburgh, and it's, that's not – no, did he go to? Did he get drafted? Well, he, he got he got drafted by the Raiders. He ended Raiders. up. Let's take you because you're fast, but they, the Raiders have no have no identity to know how to use you. They just show up because you're fast and tall. Right. Like I said, it's not for everybody, you know. And the, I think the combine can have you enamored with the guy. If people really went there and were given a real opportunity to advance their position, then I would respect the combine more. But. It's just another way of just stealing that, stealing a head, stealing the entertainment, the sports entertainment for a week. That's all it is. So, so it do you do feel? So, so do you feel that these scouts and teams or whoever these aficionados are, do you think that they could just simply watch tape and figure out who they want to draft? You can look at your own team and say, "I want these kind of players," and go get them. Mm -hmm. you could, like Bill Belichick, he would get two down linebackers. I was like, listen, um, I want 275 pound linebackers. I'll bring in the nickelback if I want somebody to play coverage. But right now, I need you. Yeah, you run a 4-8, cool. I need you to run that 4-8 into this hole and stop up the fullback so he doesn't get a good block so we can get penetration with defensive tackles. Like that's that's. I, I just need you guys to eat up blocks so we can get tackles. I don't need I don't need you to be a freak dynamically to where you can do everything on the field, but you can't do it all effectively. Like, don't tell me what you can't do. Show me what you can do. So if I got a guy who can only play two downs, and I'm only going to put that guy in for two downs. But if you play ass off of two downs, you can be a <laughs> Don't You know, and that's it. That's, that's, that's what it boils down to is that I think these coaches get so enamored with their own voice that they think they're doing something new. The Kansas City Chiefs just won a Super Bowl. What new thing did you think they did? <laughs> like, what, what overly creative thing did they do? They played tough up front on both sides of the ball. No sacks allowed. And they pressured Jalen Hurts. Yes, granted, he scrambled. They pressured Jalen Hurts. He had to, you know, he had to scramble every once in a while. He had those incomplete passes. They were game tackling Bolton first of the tackle. I think Chris Jones got to Jalen Hurts mm -hmm. maybe once or twice. And then they played good defense on the back end. Ben don't break. Yeah, Why because when you look at the Chiefs. You're in man-to-man coverage, you gotta beat that man-to-man -man coverage. That's all they did. They didn't do anything fancy. You you and that's the thing. I think people look at the combine like this guy's gonna be like this, this no. Just get good players that fit your scheme, identify what your scheme is. Get the players that fit your scheme, teach them that scheme, and make it work. Right. That's, 
it's it's not it's not that complicated of a process. I think people make it more complicated than it is because it, you just you want to feel like a genius. Bill Belichick doesn't do genius stuff. Yeah, I know what he does. I don't work for the NFL. His his linebackers are big. His defensive linemen are big because he runs three four a lot. So you need a nose tackle that can eat up two blocks in every play. I.e. Vince Wilfork. Remember Mount Cody, right. Alabama, the same kind of concept that uh, Nick Saban runs. Nick Saban just gets the biggest guys up front. That's why a lot of his defensive backs don't work out that well in the NFL because they went up front. Their linebackers are great tacklers because the defensive linemen eat up blocks. So if you get a linebacker from Alabama, he's going to be a great tackler because he is in charge. Like His whole job is making all the tackles. Those three linebackers make the tackles. Like that's because that's the scheme. So, so is there anything uh, when the combine was going on? Was there anything that you, as an individual, I guess, prioritized over other things? Like, was there a certain drill, or was there something that you could look at a position group, like a receiver, maybe, and then you go, "I see something," or is it just basically like it was a crapshoot either way, regardless of what they did? It was a crapshoot, and a lot of the drills I just I don't know if all of them really translated. It's like especially like that defensive back drill when they like move the ball and they got I'm like <laughs> Yeah, of course a guy's out there by himself. He's not chasing a wide receiver around. Everyone everybody looks good. 19, 20, 20 well, at this point, like 20, 21, 22 years old in like shorts and an under armor shirt with their number on it, running. Like they're all they're all muscular. They're all tall. They're all athletic. They're all healthy. Like everything, they they got it all. Can you put them on the Can you put them on the field in pads and have them make the play? Well, I think that's what got me about like throwing drills and like pro days and things like that, where you're just throwing the ball like you know to the sideline ten yards and everybody's like, oh, he can make all the throws. And I'm like, but did you see that throw against Michigan in the big house on fourth down? Like. You know, so so that's where for me the tape stands out more because if I'm especially if I'm looking at a quarterback, like if I'm looking at Bryce Young, for example, another semi little dude, you know, what what are you what is he gonna show me? That if I'm the Houston Texans, what is he gonna show me that is gonna make me go, Ooh, don't know if we can get him unless you just like CJ Stroud being tall. Yeah, it's exactly right. Like you gotta like you gotta I, honestly, I'm I'm truly I don't want to like disparage you know our future audience or any GMs or anybody wanted to have us on there, but I think these guys are winging it. I think they're listening to what they hear on TV, and they just go with it. So so I, Mel Kiper and Todd Mache doing all the yeah, work. I do not think that the 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 scouts because have you you ever seen I think Dan Patrick does this. He has like I think normally it's like the week of the Super Bowl. He was, I don't know if he did it this year, but he would give guys their scouting report. J.J. Watt, Drew Brees, Cam Newton, you know, these guys who had some success in the league. He would give them their scouting report. And like, yo, just read this real quick. Let's, let's, and it's so off. Yeah. Like, so off, like Cam Newton, it was like inability to, to read NFL defenses. And then in his first two two games, he throws for over 800 yards. In two he games. broke the record. <laughs> yeah. Even Aaron Rodgers was like, yo, once this guy figures this out, he, he's going to have it. Granted, his, his career didn't have like that Aaron Rodgers like stat, like, but he won MVP, went to the Super Bowl. Sometimes that's all you're going to get. Like, it's a tough sport. 
You're not going to get 10 Super Bowls like you got with Brady. You're not going to get Peyton Manning breaking records on two different teams. You know what? That's so, my home. That's think, my home work assignment. Kind of winging. They're just winging it, and I think teams that are drafting are just drafting based off what they read on CBSSports.com. Yeah, see, I'm about to give myself a homework assignment because it never stops. I'm about to go back and look at these numbers and see why the hell somebody decided to take Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> because they, they... Maybe it was the Wonder Lick. They won a BCS bowl game. Maybe it was the Wonder Lick. Aaron Rodgers, if you go back to his cow take, he, like, his throw motion was awful. Like, he had the ball, like, tucked in the ear. It was, it was not fluid, whereas Alex Smith looked like a playmaker in the Urban Myers offense. And right. he got caught an undefeated season. Granted, they beat Pitt in their BCS bowl game, but. You know, I know another quarterback that was sub 50% completion percentage that looked great in Urban Myers offense, too. <laughs> yeah. In the first round, just like. Got Alex drafted Smith. in the first round. Why? And somehow the dude that drafted him in the first round is so a I, head coach today. Ain't that something? That a guy who just signed an extension last year. I'm thinking we know what the problem is. The problem <laughs> the quarterback. The problem where his advisor on the sideline and thinks he's Bill Belichick Jr. <laughs> the real sports fans know who we're talking about. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> I've never been a fan of his. I never I've never been a fan of his um mainly because the way he played the Colts and the way the way he performed in Denver and then went and played the Colts the way he did, it was like, come on, man, like you don't have the leverage to pull that off. Like if he wasn't a New England disciple, he's not the enemy can't do that. You Brandon Staley couldn't do that. You know what? I gotta give you I gotta Kingsbury, give you. Cliff Kingsbury right now gets hired on say they say they would have hired him as the Colts coach. Well, right. Because the they were open. And then he called from Thailand, like, yeah, man, I'm not coming back. <laughs> you think he's getting another job next year? If he did that? No. No. But somehow Josh McDaniels keeps his job in New England, then gets another job in, in Vegas. Well, he's got the he's got the stamp of approval from the best coach of all time. Coaches. <laughs> his would be awful. You know, I was gonna say, I gotta give you some credit because you know. I try to do my best at finding these segues, and then, you know, you always give it to me. So, you know, Eric B. Enemy, you know, so Mr. B. Enemy, you know, fixing to be the offensive coordinator for my commanders, as I mentioned earlier. It sounds like it's going to be official as of tomorrow. Uh, don't know when the press conference is going to be, if they're going to have one or whatever the case may be, but it sounds like he's going to get the job tomorrow. We talked about Nagy potentially replacing him in Kansas City. So the question of the hour, the question of the week. Why can't Eric the enemy get a head coaching job? Because he makes decisions like this. Why on <laughs> earth are you going from Beyonce to the girl that got kicked out of Destiny's Child? Like, what are you thinking? Because she give it up more. I mean, oh, we can't talk like that. We can't be talking like that on here. It just go on, man. Go sense. on. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to make that. If you made a lateral move from Kansas City to Jacksonville with the young, young gun quarterback. Kansas City to the Chargers. Shout out to Jeff Garrett. Hi, Jeff. Shout out to my Utah family here. So this is on my location. So you know, everything isn't everything isn't flowing like it is, but you know, the conversations are legit. But if you went from like Kansas City to the Chargers and maybe 
maybe it's a revenge angle. He gets two games a year against the Chiefs, or he goes to Las Vegas and helps Josh Daniels because Josh McDaniels has no idea what he's doing, calling plays offensively. If he did that, I'd understand it. Or if he even went up to went out to Denver and resurrected Russell Wilson because you, you have a good talent. What are you doing with the the the, the second year quarterback at North Carolina? Because in interviews, I, I read an article when the season ended that the commander's top brass was telling they were telling potential coaching candidates that Howell was going to be their starting quarterback going into the next year. So why am I coming in as an offensive coordinator when I can't even coordinate who starts at the most important position on my side of the ball? Why am I on top of the fact that the the organization is just imploding? Maybe Jeff Bezos buys out because he already owns the Washington Post. Maybe he wants the Washington Commanders too. He wants, you know, double deck like the fantasy football team when you get to start and running back at his backup. But why would you want to be yeah, that one. why would you want to be involved in that organization considering that I don't know if all the investigations played out yet. It just doesn't seem it just doesn't seem like it's how we were talking about Arizona. Like I was talking in conversation with my father. It doesn't seem like there is a future there because of the current chaos. Because if he doesn't bring that Kansas City Chiefs 28 points a game offense to Washington, you think he's going to get a head coaching job after that? So I don't know who's in his ear. I don't know if Kansas City didn't give him a raise. I wish he would hit me on Twitter, fear my wrath, and fear my wrath, or hit me on Instagram. Because I tell him, yo, whoever you're talking to, they're lying to you. Even if you get a pay raise, that's not the place to take it. Sometimes the money is not the most important thing. He could have leveraged that, maybe got more money from Kansas City, but whatever whatever he got, whatever conversation he got to go to the Washington Commanders, I think it's showing why he's not a head coach, because that's a bad move. That's a terrible move. I can't even, like, no, it's not a good move. See, I don't know why you put me in this in these positions like this, because I don't want to come across as biased commander guy. But I got a couple of answers and theories for you. So for one, going back to something you said, you know, saying I like this paper printout now. It's kind of cool, um, you know. But yeah, um, you mentioned potentially going to Denver and resurrecting Russell Wilson. You really think he gonna get the credit for that? You know, he got Sean Payton over there. That's who's going to get all the credit as being the quarterback whisperer. The same thing that's happening in Kansas City right now is Andy Reid is too big of a shadow looming over him. Now, I don't what, think so, because I think, I think so. has been his advocate every year. He has, but you also remember, right? You know, I've had these conversations. I can't remember if me and you had a similar conversation, but pardon me for a second, because I'm going to be that guy for a second. But we always talk about how as a black man versus a white man, there are certain things that you get away with. There are certain things that you're forgiven for, so on and so forth. So, for example, when we saw Bill O'Brien and Tom Brady going at it, my reaction was like, who the hell is this dude yelling at Tom Brady? But everybody else was like, oh, he's tough. He's holding them accountable. That's a great leadership trait. But then we saw Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy in Indianapolis earlier this year have the confrontation yeah. or whatever it was. And that turned into like, you can't get along with Patrick Mahomes and everybody was going nuts. And, you know, it was like this big deal about. So, 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 you know, when, when I think if I was Eric B enemy, 
I agree with you that Washington is, is not the team probably, but I think that the move is relevant from the standpoint that he watched Nagy get jobs. We all watched Nagy get a job that he was that he sucked at. We watched Peterson get a job. And then five made the playoffs one year with Mr. Trubisky. He just he just I think I think you 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 get you get a couple of good runs. Well, it went it. sour, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, it went but 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 you know, but but you had um Peterson, you know, he went and won a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? So of course you can do the whole like, hey, we did this before. And what I learned this week that I didn't know prior to this, because we always make the joke, is there be enemy calling the plays? What I didn't know is that Nagy and Peterson weren't either. You know what I mean? So there's so there's not a core. Andy Reid didn't call plays before he became a head coach. You know, like th- th- this this happens. You know what I mean? So this is where, as I'm Eric Bieniemy and I'm looking at the landscape, and you know, let me get my handy dandy note here. You know, so Eric Bieniemy over his career has had 16 head coach in interview jobs across 15 teams. So out of all the positions that he interviewed for. Seven of the coaches that got hired for the job that he applied for were coaches that had got fired before, you know, saying, including the one in, you know, so, 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 you know, so, so this is where, as I'm Eric Bieniemy, just sitting there frustrated. Why can't I get a job? You know, I, I'd have won the Super Bowl twice in the last four years. I was the one that told Andy Reid that these dudes can't cover our emotion because this jet sweep is in their brain and got these two touchdowns. But the same dude that I just, exposed got a job two days later you know what i mean the same guy that my offense outperformed in the second half at least just got a job the day after the super bowl i mean never mind tampering and all that but he got the job the next day after the su- so if i'm eric Bieniemy, i have to make some kind of move to show that i'm not a product of andy reed that i'm not a product of, of patrick thing. Mahomes. there's i get that but every coordinator is a product of the players they have around him. He had a luxury with the players that he had. And maybe he is just not good at presenting himself to be a head coach. That is a real possibility. Yes. Some people just aren't good selling themselves. Yes. Some people just are not good at being in a room and being able to say, hey, I am this person. This is what I provide. This is what I can do. This is how I can get galvanize people. Some people just aren't wired to do it. So, oh, for 16 and, and head coaching interviews, it can't just be that he's black because Houston made two bad black hires the last couple of years and fired both of them. Um, well, got the job. Like, so I, I don't. I don't think it's just a matter of that because that's that was a narrative that was surrounding. Well, well, going back to things that people get away with that you know people can't, other people can't get away with. He does have a past. He does have a checkered past. But the problem with that, but the problem with that is that goes back twenty to thirty years. That's so it's not, I don't think I don't think people. I don't think, people I don't, I don't think it is. I don't. I don't think it is. But I'm grasping here. I think at this point, I think we have enough speculative information and circumstantial evidence to say he is just not good at selling himself mm-hmm. at this point because it's like you've won, you've had the MVP twice in the last five years. You had Alex Smith looking like a pro, had playing Pro Bowl level football. Well, he did. Well, he didn't become the coordinator until um, Mahomes's um, first year. First year, okay. So yeah. you had his first year starting, right? And the rookie from Texas Tech, who Cliff Kingsbury couldn't get six wins with. 
second-year guy now, Patrick Mahomes, throws 50 touchdowns and wins MVP under your play calling. Tyreek Hill just got $30 million, and you made him so good as a player that you got five picks back. Travis Kelsey is considered the greatest tight end of all time. You have all these accolades on the field, and you're not getting hired. It Something has to be intrinsic in his delivery. Well, well this- also, well, also, as far as your point about um, other possibilities, like other teams that he could have went to besides Washington, he was coaching the Super Bowl, so he was kind of out of, you know, those teams. Yeah, jobs. No, I know, I know, but 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 I'm just saying, like, so like for he example, when when LA was looking might, for, he might suck at the interview. He might not be. No, that's good. fine. If that's what it is, you can you talk know, to people and know that, like, you know what? We are having this podcast. You and I have a great rapport. It's very clear. We have some people in our sports group that you know you couldn't do this with two hours twice a week because it wouldn't make any sense because of the way. They talk about sports. Sometimes they're just not objective about it. We can listen to some of their opinions. We can think some of the time they're talking the right thing. But you know, yeah, I can't have this dude. I couldn't I couldn't do this for four hours with this guy. I think B and me gets in the room and they're like, we can't do it with this guy. Just either either someone had an interview with them and they had a conversation and they say, you know what? He just doesn't come off as confident or he comes off as too confident. Whatever the case may be, it has to be something where you go 0-16 when Lovey Smith got a job, Cully got a job. Um, How the hell did Cully got a job? Steve Wilkes got the interim job. Cully, Jeff, Cully didn't even have a receiver catch a touchdown while he was the office coordinator. Nathan Hackett got, got the job. I mean, like, Jeff McDaniels got another job. So, like, there's something that all of these other guys are doing who get the job and fail. I'm not talking about guys who are successful. So and they, they have they also they also may know people. Cuz remember we had this our very first episode, our very first episode. <laughs> you talked about the club. Yeah, you like, talked about the club. Prime example. I'm 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 here at my friend's house in Utah and we all worked together and it was 40 it was four guys worked in one section. It was four people. It was one female and, and three other guys. And the one guy that was last to get another civilian job, he was the last one in there. And I was like, yo, look around. You have more experience than all these other three people that used to work in this cubicle. But yet they found themselves in position to get interviewed and a job and a, a job that you can do just as well as them. And you have more experience. How is it that they all got jobs mm-hmm. and you and I both can say you have more experience and you have literally more calendar right. time. Right. It's not a skill set. It's just like you have more time. You have six, seven, eight more years on them doing this job, but yet they got these jobs in the building. It's like well, well, if you didn't do your part to ensure that you were at the top of these lists, it might be on Eric Bieniemy that he might not be doing what he needs to do to ensure that he's ready for these interviews. Right. Showing up. I'm late, whatever the case may be. But with that thought in mind, and I love I love the analogy there. I love the story. And with that in mind, being in the military, how many times have we seen guys take crappy jobs or crappy deployments or crappy volunteering assignments because they were like, hey, I'm trying to make master. I got to impress the board, whatever the case may be, senior, whatever. They're trying to impress people. So maybe Eric Bieniemy 
has learned that about himself or got that feedback to some degree. So maybe he thought to himself, I need to go somewhere that there can be no doubt. Like I need to go to Washington because they are a crap show, you know, for lack of better words, you know what I want to say. They're a crap show. You know what I mean? But if I can go there and have success, you know what I mean? I'm undeniable. Now that might be wrong because of the other things that you're saying. Thing. You you use the the deployment getting promoted analysis. I did the same thing to get promoted to master, but I didn't go work in some terrible unorganized squadron. I just went and did my thing at an already established squadron. So when we had a conversation about who should be promoted, it was like <laughs> the Rudley guy. Well, see, I took that approach, but see, Rudley I didn't take go, that approach. I didn't go in the dirt and try to like make the dirt better. Like no, I'm like okay, I can do this job that this other guy did. He got promoted. I slid into that job and I made it a little better and I got promoted. The guy who went work support and no one saw him. And anytime you saw him, he was complaining that I got this promotion rate over him. He's like, well, you, did you do what he did? Does your resume look like his? No. Did you have, do you have these people like this interpersonal skills? Do you have the things that makes me want to hire you? If you don't have it, you don't have it. Some people don't have it. I think at this point, Going to the Washington Commanders, I hope it works out for him. I don't see it working out considering that you have Carson Wentz, who for some reason just stopped playing smart football. He literally makes, if he would just watch ESPN and just do the, like, do, like, literally, it's not even like, it's so easy. Like, yo, don't throw in the coverage. Just check it down. But throw it, throw it. Throw it away and put. It's like the dog that sees the food and can't avoid trying to go get it. You know, like and and, and you know and and I think there's some value to that. But but I also think that because like I was the opposite of your scenario. I did go to the crappy squadron where the airmen were failing their CDCs and all that kind of stuff, and I had to make that change. But I felt the need to do that because I had been in trouble. I felt the need to do that to repair my reputation and to also, I guess show myself in front of the ones, the people that mattered or whatever. So, right. So that's what I'm saying. So I think this is just a last ditch attempt by him. You have to have that ability when you make that decision. And I'm pretty sure in previous conversations and 10 years and conversations you and I have is like, you have that ability. So you going to make that move works. He has gone 0 for 16 in head coaching interviews. Just like, why go, why you want a head coaching job, so you go to one of the worst organizations. They're being sued by so many people. <laughs> other owners want the owner to sell. The current owner is threatening other owners with exposing information. It's like, why are you leaving the Hunt family? The AFC trophy is named after the founder of the team, and you want to go to the Washington Commanders to prove what? You're not gonna last. Hey, a few people, a few people. February 17th, that's when booking. He's fired next year when they go six and eleven. A few people took a chance and saw something in Patrick Mahomes and made a trade happen to make this happen. Maybe he sees something in Sam Howell. I don't know. You know, because you know, Sam Howell ended up as a fifth round pick, but he had but he, he had the pedigree as a as a good quarterback. You know, I'm not saying that he's going to turn into Patrick Mahomes. But what I'm saying is if you're that guy that believes in yourself 
You know, like we saw Daryl Rivas. It's a little difference because he's a player. We saw Darrell Rivas bet on himself. You know, it paid off. He got Super Bowls and all this kind of stuff like that. Which team he go to? Hey, he didn't go to the Commanders. He went. To, <laughs> he he went did it the Patriot way, you know. He went to New England, right? Yeah, so he, he went to New England. I think he went to Tampa he, at one point. You yeah, know, um, he bet on himself without a contract, and he went. Right, to but you can only, New but England. you can only go, you can he only go to what's to, available. You can only no, go to what's available. He went to New England. He could have gone to Atlanta if he wanted. No, no, to. no. I'm talking about Bienemy. He can only go with what was available. He, that's the thing. You don't go there. That shouldn't be available to you. Like, what was he supposed to do? You wanted him to send his resume over to Gannon in, in Arizona? You wanted him to send they, his resume they to uh, Steichen over in Indianapolis? They in Kansas City get a team of somebody to demand a pay raise for you and put in a contract that you want to be head coach and waiting behind Andy Reid. And we don't know, like maybe Ron Rivera isn't long for that job, you know, as far as, you know, I think Not that he's the job. It's the place. No, I get that. I get that. I get that. 100. I'm a fan. I You're get a fan. it. Turn the cameras off. Listen, That's what I'm up. saying. Like, I, I get it. That's why no, I said I didn't want to do this problem. argument because I was going to come across as biased. But yeah. even I'm suing the commanders for emotional distress. But I'm just yeah. saying that at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like, I'm looking across the landscape of what's available at this moment because he's probably making a snap reaction because he just saw two coordinators that he just beat one of them. He pulled his pants down, get hired within the same week of him pulling the pants down. So maybe he's just at that wit's end of what the hell do I got to do? Every year you and I have a conversation where we name about six coaches on the hot seat and every year two, two of them get fired. All right. Every year we had these conversations. So you just won the Super Bowl. You have all of the leverage in the world, and you use that leverage to go to the Washington Commanders. Right, right. As so, an off, not even like if you would have been a head coach. Like, all right, you got it. You want your shot, but you, you're. I mean, I can't even. All right. So look, real quick, real quick. Since you brought that up, since you brought that up. Okay. Let's let's do a quick exercise. Coming into next season, what coaches are on the hot seat? So what about your Falcons? We're gonna start. We're gonna go east to west. Yeah, we'll go east. To, so so yeah, we'll go NFC to AFC. So what about the Falcons? NFC. Okay, NFC. If you go NFC East. Oh, uh, east. Okay. NFC East. I think they're all good. I think they're all good. Maybe McCarthy. Maybe. Maybe, maybe Rivera. I think McCarthy's gonna stay because he's already he's. Jerry Jones don't want to bring. Well, I think guy. that Rivera. I think Rivera might be, but I think he's the type that might get the hey move upstairs type thing. You know what I mean? But yeah, I, I could agree. I could agree that he's. All right, so NFC South, Atlanta's good because Arthur Blank doesn't fire anyone when, when they should. He need fired. to. So if he, he has another, he has two seven and ten years. That's what he has. All right, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is fired. All right, um, Carolina just hired Reich, so he ain't going anywhere. You know, um, Dennis Allen, maybe, for the Saints, because people wanted him fired this year. So. Yeah, he'd be fired. Yeah, so, so he could potentially be on the hot seat. Okay. Um, uh, Campbell ain't going nowhere unless Detroit just goes, you know, foreign something, you know. Um, so he's good. Uh, I think LeFleur is good, especially if they trade Aaron Rodgers. O'Connell's good. O'Connell's good. Yeah, so in the West, you know, 49ers are good. Um, McVay might leave. He'll, he'll probably leave. Yeah, he's uh, trying to take his ball and go home. Yeah, because um, they're, they're going to be terrible. 
Gannon is good. Pete Carroll should retire. Yeah, if he steps down, but but he's not on the hot seat though. He's like the GM. Right. He's like close to the widow of the right. Owns the team, so he's gonna have to retire. He's not. All right. So AFC. So AFC. McDermott's not going anywhere. McDermott's good. Belichick, if he retires, you know, but um. Fired, but he's good. Salah's fine. No, I think Salah's good. I mean, they 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 got the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Unless they go five and twelve, they I think go he's five good. And 12. Yeah, I think he's good. But I mean, they're talking to Derek Carr today, so we'll see. Um, quarterback right, he's fired. They get the quarterback right, Buffalo's in trouble. Um, let's see, Miami's probably good. Yeah, he's good. Black head coach. Yeah. Goes another, another five game losing streak again. Yeah. Zach Taylor's good. You know, Mike Tomlin's good. Yep. What about Cleveland? The fans? Yeah, he's fired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, no I like how you say it so casually. They have uh, no patience. You know, Baltimore not good. They don't have any weapons. Like, like you have Nick Chubb and you have Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt wants to go. Hey, they got yeah. Amari Cooper. Not a weapon. He's just a good receiver. Um, Deshaun Watson is. is he's, hey. I want to say overrated. I think he's overvalued. I think I was I think told of him are, are too high. I was told by many fantasy football fans that Donovan Peoples Jones is a weapon. Yeah, it's just cool saying. If you're trying to win some trophy or like right. So Baltimore should be good unless Harbaugh just steps down at some Harbaugh's point. Harbaugh's a Harbaugh. He's good. He's a legacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's good. So the whole AFC West is probably good unless McDaniels finally gets whacked. I think McDaniels should should get fired, but yeah. he won't. And have a terrible quarterback, and they'll blame it on the quarterback play. And yeah, so money. yeah, Vrabel is good. Uh, Vrabel might be. It might be tough for him. Well, the only way the only way he that got, I can see Vrabel getting fired. The only way I can see Vrabel getting fired. If he's six and two, he's good to go. But if he's three and five, he's fired. Well, I can. Well, it just depends. Like it depends. If they have to start Malik Willis next year, I think you have to give him a year. You know, he doesn't like Malik Willis, so they. You could tell he didn't want him. So the people who drafted him, he's not going to want to play him, so they're going to fire him. Okay. Okay. Jacksonville is good. Yeah. Colts are good because they just hired um, Steichen. Yeah. And then Houston, it should be good. Okay. So, so out of out of what we just said, if you're the enemy, like you know who, what job are you holding out for out of that list that we just came up with? Maybe Tennessee, well, it, I guess. It, it depends on draft position. It depends on how the other teams. Like for instance, if you were Doug Peterson right now and you went to the AFC South last year was your first year, now you're looking good. You're looking like ten and seven. 11 and 6 because your division just kind of seems to kind of fall in on themselves. A couple of new coaches. If you went to the NFC West, you got Pete Carroll, he doesn't have many weapons. Then you have the quarterback play in San Francisco. We don't know who that's going to be. And then you got LA. But then you also got Arizona as a new coach. So any one of those situations next year, if any if any one of those teams don't work out and they have to lose one of their coaches. None of those teams in that division really seem like they're world beaters. Well, so, Arizona could be Arizona could be interesting because I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to play most of next year. So that could be interesting if Gannon goes there. 
you know, goes three and fourteen. They pull the trigger, and now you got Kyler Murray coming back. That could be interesting. Yeah, and that, and I think that's why Brian Flores didn't go there because I, I, I was talking to my props about this. It was like it just seems like they are going to fire someone after this year because they're not going to have Kyler Murray. And if you're an expendable coach like Flores, they'll throw him a bone because they put the lawsuit out there, get rid of the lawsuit potentially. And then you fire him when he goes four and thirteen. And he's like, "Yo, Kyler Murray played zero games, and well, you should have got it popping with Cobra Gordon." Um, so, like, I think every year there's enough turnover in the NFL. I think the Chargers are gonna. I think they're gonna get rid of Staley if he doesn't have a real good season. I think he can be fired because he has real talent. But see, I wonder if if Staley does get fired, and I'm glad. I'm glad the Chargers didn't fire him over that you know that playoff game. But if he does get fired next year, but they should it, have. The reason, but because what happened in that playoff game is the problem that you've had with him this entire time that he's hired. He's like in big games, big situations, he doesn't make the good play. He mm-hmm. just does, like he just made the playoffs. That's fair. That's fair. First. So it's like what you saw from him is more of the same. No, but I think that I think that if you were going to fire, I think if you were going to fire Staley, I think if you were going to fire Staley, you should have fired him after that Raider game last year. But anyway, uh, but, but 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 with that being said, but with that being said, but with that being said, they got the golden boy. They got the golden boy at offensive coordinator now. Where? In L.A. Mr. Kellen Moore is going to revolutionize the head coaching position one day and all this kind of stuff. So. They didn't know how to check the ball down on Pollard. Yes, yes, but I think, but I think that with his reputation, there's a possibility that if Staley does get released or gets fired, I think that Kellen Moore could be the replacement. So I think, I think you, and that's the thing, you out there thinking like these GMs. Just, and just no, like, no, I'm not saying that's what I want. I'm not saying that's what I want. They're these decisions are awful. No, they're that's not, what I'm saying. I'm not, not saying. Bad. I'm not saying that's what yeah. I want. I'm just saying yeah. that from the vantage point outside looking in, this looks like Jason Garrett and Wade Phillips all over again. Nothing about the Dallas offense looked like it was Kellen Moore like calling these plays. I just think that I don't I don't know what the criteria is to get hired as offensive coordinator or head coach, whatever the case may be, but it just seems as if Everyone's in this fraternity. They're in these conversations, and they just hire the next, the guy next to the. Well, guy. I learned, I learned today. That Daniel should have been you, the should have been the, the, the shot across the bow for all of these GMs. Like, listen, don't just pick the guy because he holds the play card next to the other guy with the really good quarterback. I like, learned today that if you want to coach, I learned today that if you want to coach the Colts. You just have to have character and approval from Philip Rivers. Who got them? That's why. That's why Steichen got the job is because Philip Rivers approved. Said, "Hey, Ursay, this guy is legit, you know." And Ursay enjoyed his character and his Friday conversation with this guy that he probably wasn't supposed to have since the dude was coaching the Super Bowl. But you know, another issue for another day. But but you know, I think that be enemy. Um, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like without him calling plays and without seeing like the decision making outside of like I'm able to know because it was reported that the enemy was the one that pointed out the Philly motion issues or whatever the case may be. Outside of that, 
I don't have a reason to believe that he'll be a good coach or that he'll be a bad coach because prior to all this, he was a running backs coach, you know, and now with Washington, he's going to be an assistant head coach along with being the offensive coordinator. So maybe we see him making more decisions or more visible in a decision making capacity than we have seen him in the past. I just think that he, I think he just poorly uses leverage. I could see that because I mean, the first thing that I would say walking in the office is like, yo, you know, see that, you know what I mean? And, and I would say, and I would say, Hey, that Mahomes guy, remember went to Texas tech, remember never won the big 12. This is it's, a super bowl champion. It's like he was up for, you know, he was Jeff Bezos right hand man and decided to go take a similar job at FedEx. <laughs> and it's like, yo, you're, you're right next to Jeff Bezos. Just absorb that until your shot comes. Like, nah, I'm gonna make my own way at FedEx. So, like, I, think, so I think what shocked me, I think what shocked me, and this was maybe wishful think, thinking on my part, is that I was thinking, hey, Andy Reid's getting a little long in the tooth, if you will. You know, maybe he steps down at some point or, you know, that time comes. And maybe if you're there, you know, and you're the continuity, maybe you could talk yourself into that Chiefs job and coach Patrick Mahomes for seven or eight years down the road or whatever the case may be. Like and that's what I'm saying. Like he, he it's, it's like he had he had Willy Wonka factory golden ticket and was like, nah, man, just give me the chocolate bar. You keep <laughs> If, that, if I don't, that is what it feels like to me. Like if, if I don't know anything else, if I don't know anything else about football players, I know that they have big egos. And you know, Eric Bieniemy was a running back. He was a tough running back. You know what I mean? Maybe there's just that certain belief that he has in himself that I can go anywhere. You know, like you know, if I can, if I can make it in New York, I can make it anywhere. anywhere. You know what I yeah. mean? Like maybe you know, made it in New York. New York is a tough part. It's the part you can carry the toughness. You can take toughness anywhere, which you had in Kansas City. You can't yeah. take with like Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a deal, because a lot of, you know, offensive coordinators guys move and they'll bring a player with them. Like, you know, Brian Flores got hired in Miami. He brought a couple of free agent linebackers now. Okay, cool. You got that. You you're too long in the in the in this the, this process to take that job. I just I just think it's a bad move. I don't think he's a bad coach. I just think it's a bad move because I think he I think he just has less protection because he he went to a place that's a little bit a little bit more chaotic and dysfunctional mm-hmm. than you would like any organization to be. Any right. any any right. any genre any corporate world they're like actively being sued all the time like i said the owner they engaged in beats with other billionaires like it just doesn't seem like the place that is going to just fortify your your future it seems like so i agree washed away so i agree just looking at the landscape it's probably a bad move you know i but i do like the high risk, high reward, betting on yourself, believing in yourself, if that's what he's doing, believing in yourself and thinking that, hey, I can go here, you know, because I mean, like, as as cha- as chaotic as the organization is, as chaotic as the organization is, yeah, you know, that weapon, that word that you used earlier, weapon, Washington does have weapons, you know what I mean? So 
Yeah, but does that weapon play quarterback? No, the weapon does not play quarterback. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. Last time I saw Sam Howell, he was beating on the Cowboys. Ferrari, no gas, no steering wheel. That's you know what you I mean? got. And hey, you know, if if he's the coach that we that we that people, I should say that people think that he is, and we do end up keeping that dude from North Dakota, you know, maybe he turns into a whisperer. You talk like, come on, Mike, you talk like a total. No, player. I'm no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Carson saying that these Wentz are things. Has shown, has shown like the entire that this entire thing has more red flags. <laughs> Then it then necessary. Like I'm not again, saying that these are things I, I believe. Product. I I have my own flaws. So if you associate with me yet, there's going to be things. You know what? But dependability is not a problem you're going to have with me. Um, reliability is not a problem you're going to have with me. Right. You know, like you know, like if you had a problem with me in the past, it's not going to be one of those. So I know that. Like everyone has something. This organization has ownership issues. The ownership is in doubt. People are trying to buy the team. They're trying to force the owner out. And they that, can't afford it. <laughs> that's at the top. So then you have people who are suing different members of the organization. Different payouts have been paid out in the last 12 months. Different stories have come out. The, the owner himself put out a story saying, or put out information saying that I have dirt on you other owners. And then try to backtrack it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this I'm not a, saying I'm not saying that. It's one thing if like you know somebody who worked in the organization, like an assistant to the GM, he right. was having issues, or you have like a trainer and she was having issues. Like this is from the top. This is the entire something. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's why people like Rivera because he's the culture guy. Apparently Rivera is the guy that's cleaning all this up. But what I'm saying is like. All of that isn't necessarily things that I believe in my heart. I'm just saying that those are things that if you're Eric B. Enemy, those are things that you might have to tell yourself. Those are things that you might have to believe. And you got to bet on yourself because, like you said, and, and we brought it up, if he had 16 interviews and he ain't got it, he's in a desperate position if his ultimate goal is to be a head coach. Desperate times call for desperate measures. That's all I'm saying. And, you know, and. <laughs> And what a desperate measure that is, you know, but with any, but with all that, you know, I, I just think that he's making a decision. It could be the wrong decision. It most likely is the wrong decision, <laughs> but you know, but he, but he's almost out of options basically. Like, I don't know if Washington was the option, but I think that he thought that Washington was bad enough that if he could do well there, you know, it would endear him to the people signing the checks. <laughs> Yeah, but what's but on we'll, your chest, we'll, man? What's we'll on your agree, chest? We'll agree to disagree on that one, or we'll, 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 we'll re-attack later. Yeah, yeah, we'll re-attack that, but what's on your chest? Uh, honestly, man, like I said, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still feeling a pretty joyous mood. Um, like I said, I flew out to Utah for the All-Star game. The tickets were pretty high before, like, I got out here, so I just like, kind of took it out of my mind that I wasn't going to go. But they did drop the ticket prices. Still probably won't go. Um, but my my friends, family is hanging out. So really, man, I got nothing to get off my chest. I just saw love. Um, like I said, here in the house, and we have about, about to have a little party and stuff like that. So man, I'm just I'm just having a good time. I'm just thankful that uh, I was able to be able to sit down with you and we can get our podcast done. You know, get our weekly conversation. And so like I said, I'm, I'm just I'm just I'm just I'm just more I'm just more excited um, about you know just having a good time. 
So yeah, that's all I gotta get off my chest, man. I'm just like I said, I'm just throwing the joy right now. I don't really have anything I mean, other than like Juju on Twitter, but I already went over that. And then being to me, you know, I'm not losing his leverage properly. But other than that, man, like I said, I'm just I'm just, just in a good groove. So I mean, like that. I mean, I try I try to find something, but I was like, man, I'm just I'm just feeling good. All right. So I will pick up where you left off because I want it to be joyous because, you know, I'm about to go see Ant-Man in a little bit, you know, get my quantum mania on. So, you know, I'm all excited about that. I want it to be joyous. But then it hit me that it was All-Star Weekend. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm the type of guy, the 2-5 guy. You know, I want all my games to have meaning. I don't want to watch the Olympics. I don't want to watch all that stuff. I just want two teams in a league or whatever playing with standings on the line, a conference title on the line. You could have your all-star game. You could have your Olympics. So with that being said, I do like the actual all-star game itself because, you know, they have that new fourth quarter rule, you know, get the 24 points and all that good stuff. And, you know, like that's beautiful because like you see those players lock in for once and play some defense and try to stop each other. And it's just beautiful to see those star players sacrificing, diving, and doing all those things that you wish they would do more. But the reason I don't like the All-Star Weekend overall is everything else. Like, get the skills challenge out of here. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see somebody struggling to hit half-court shots, you know, for like 30 seconds or whatever the case may be. But my biggest issues are the big events, like the dunk contest and the three-point contest. So I'm not going to get too deep into it because I love your idea about the and one guys and all the trick guys with the dunks. I think that's a beautiful idea to make All-Star Game better. But my problem is not just with the lack of dunks, with the lack of people making dunks because it seems like everybody gets four attempts or whatever. My problem is I grew up in the eighties. So when I was watching the slam dunk contest, there was Michael Jordan. There was Dominique Wilkins. When I, in the, you know, as we got older, Kobe did it, you know, Vince Carter did it, even though he ain't necessarily on their level, you know, but you get the point. So I'm looking at this slam dunk contest. <laughs> Kenyon Martin Jr. I, I mean, no disrespect. I'd rather see your That's daddy. I'd rather see your old ass daddy. Uh, Matt McClung, you know, Mr. You know, Georgetown and Texas Tech. I like the guy, you know, the Lakers should have kept him, you know, but what does that do for me? Trey Murphy. Oh, I'm sorry. Trey Murphy, the third uh, Jericho Sims. All right. So why can't I get John ja Morant? You know, why can't I get Spider? I mean, I had to put up with Steve Francis in a dunk contest. Why can't I get at least y'all two? like, why don't the stars want to put on a show for the fans, you know, and, and that's why like, I'm not getting into the old versus young debate or whatever, but it seemed as though the Jordans and the Dominiques and the people like that cared about the entertainment. They cared about the fans, whatever the case may be, blah, blah, blah. So if the all-star game is mostly fan selected, I'm going to need the fans to start selecting these three point contests and these dunk contests. So then I look at the dunk contest, I mean, the three point contest and, you know, the two names that I picked out, was Julius Randle, who's barely shooting over 34% from three, and Jason Tatum, who's just a hair under 36%. Like, so, like, what, y'all just going to hit the money ball and nothing else? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why am I watching this? Like, Dame Lillard, I'm here for you. But when I look back at this, you know, because I had to do it. So I found that um, 
oh, forgetting his first name right now, Brogdon from the Celtics, you know, is leading the league at three point percent. Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon is leading the league at three point percentage. And then at 45.5%. But also checking in at 45% are Isaiah Joe, KCP, and Luke Kennard. And obviously those guys are not stars, but at least they're shooting over 40% from three. So if you're yeah, going to give me – Like six threes a game. I know, but if you, I'm just saying, if you're going to give me a three-point contest, at least get the some of the best – percentage shooters in the league to make it worth something or make it seem like it could be competitive. Julius Randle ain't winning this thing. And if he does win it, I'll apologize to him. I love Jason Tatum. He's one of my favorite players. He ain't going to win it, you know, and, and but that's where like all-star weekend is about the fan. The fans did not pay thousands of dollars to watch Julius Randle practice three pointers. They did not. I, you know what? If you would have told me, if I was on this committee that selects these players or allows these players to do this, if you would have told me, Julius Randle was signing up for the three-point contest. I would have asked you, is Draymond Green not available? <laughs> so I had to get that off my chest just because I love basketball. It was my first love. I loved basketball before I loved women. I loved basketball before I loved my family, probably. You know, so, you know, at the end of the day, like, make if, if you're going to make us watch All-Star Weekend, if you're going to make people pay these ridiculous tickets, make it worthwhile. That's it. So that's it, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to wrap up this. Like I said, follow us on Instagram. You check it in the descriptions. Uh, so like I said, we just appreciate everybody watching. Now we're episode 10. You know, so I'm drinking this beer. So, you know, running through me like an old head. So Quantum okay. mania. Uh, all right. And, and, and before we get out of here, you know, because I forgot to do my shout outs at the beginning. So I'm going to get you now. Shout out to Gatlinburg, Fort Collins, Miami, Miami. Shout, shout outs to Salt Lake City, Richmond, Trenton, you know, saying stand up. Yeah. Shout out to Red Bull. Shout out to Bomani Jones and Sammy Zane. Sammy Zane, I know you ain't going to win tomorrow night, man, but, but give Roman all that hell. And yes, I do know it's fake, but I'm just saying, you know. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. Thank you for giving us your support. Please continue supporting us. Like us, rate us, review us. Let your friends know about us, and we'll be in touch. Yeah. Peace.